This is Tim Tap, host of Tap Into the Truth that you can hear every Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, Liberty Talk FM, ZMA Radio, and the Vera Networks. Command codes verified. is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border and politicians build a new world order Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I'm your ever-so-humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And we are indeed live tonight, going out over WCET-FM in beautiful Columbia, South Carolina, as well as across the digital platforms of the LastFrequency.com, Liberty Talk FM, the K-Star Talk Radio Network, and ZMA Radio. So we are blasting out worldwide at multiple platforms and glad to have you along for the ride as we try to speak a little bit of truth and, you know, encourage the uh, effort to secure liberty, not just for ourselves here in the States, but everywhere around the world. It seems like a pretty good cause to have, especially this time of year. We are in Christmas season, and you know we love that here at Tap Into The Truth, so just glad to have you here. 
Uh, should be an interesting night. We are just jam-packed with great guests, starting with uh, our friend, returning guest, John O'Connor. We're going to be talking about some of the various news surrounding the latest trials, uh, both J6 and directly Trump-related. After that, Richard Battle will be joining us. We're going to be talking about his book, The Unopened Present, and, of course, uh, ways to deal with uh, holiday depression, which is something that a lot of you guys may be struggling with. And, you know, it's a good topic, and he's a great guy to discuss it with. Second hour, we have a first-time guest coming on board, Mr. Ken W. Good. We're going to be talking about the ongoing debates about bail reform in particular. And then we will close things out with returning guest, Miss Andy Berger. Uh, we're going to be discussing the fact that there was a top Pentagon official recently arrested in a human trafficking scheme. So lots to talk about, lots going on, but before we get into anything at all, I have to remind you that here in the season of giving, sometimes the best thing that you can do is give someone the gift of preparedness. Now, I'm going to presume that you, much like Doug, uh, the crazy Cajun, uh, has been heavily involved with getting prepared for yourself. In fact, the 4 elf showed up at Doug's house just a little bit before showtime, and he's still kind of going through some of his most recent acquisitions to be prepared. Something that uh, if you guys have been doing too – then maybe you've got somebody on that holiday wish list that uh, you're shopping for that maybe you're not real certain about, but you know for a fact that maybe they could use a little help in being prepared for when things go sideways. So nobody's better at helping you with that than our friends over at Patriots. You go to 4patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P, and you'll start out on a landing page that's set aside just for listeners of this show that lets you see this week's special deals. From there, you can shop the rest of the site. Everything is just – it's awesome. I mean you're hard-pressed not to uh, end up buying more things than what you had intended to start with because everything there is so – in fact, Doug is shaking his head so very firm right now. Yes, yes, I started looking for one thing, and now I'm ready for the next few years. And that's great. So whether you're looking at some of their uh, best-selling survival food kits, uh, rated to last for 25 years, but, you know, if you're like at my house, good luck hanging on to them for uh, two months. Uh, I still can't keep my youngest daughter out of them. I'm about to make her move out. (laughs) I'll send you some lemon bars. (laughs) uh, maybe you're looking for some backup electricity for emergency purposes whatever you're looking for or maybe whatever you think somebody else might be looking for go ahead take the time to go see like i always say at the end of the show don't take my word for it check it out for yourself visit them at four patriots now that's the number four fourpatriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. Now, let's get on to the show. we got a lot to talk about. We've got great guests, and we've got John O'Connor with us already waiting on the line. So for those of you that maybe are new to listening to the show, maybe you're just now, it's your first time, uh, then you've still probably heard of John O'Connor. He is the author of Postgate, How the Washington Post Betrayed Deep Throat. He's the host of a great podcast called The Mysteries of Watergate. He is, in fact, best known uh, in his career to most people as 
Deep Throat's lawyer, but uh, he's been involved with the law for a lot longer than that. He's done a lot of great stuff, including being a former assistant U.S. attorney in Northern California. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Mr. John O'Connor. John, thank you for joining us, especially about an hour earlier than we normally have you on. And you being out in the West Coast, that still can be a pretty big deal. So thank you for being here. How are you today? Well, great. Great to be with you, Tim. All right. Well, there is a lot going on, obviously. We've had three major things happen uh, as far as the moving parts with different cases that we've been kind of talking about your last few visits. Uh, Number one, of course, is the fact that uh, the Supreme Court has decided to hear an appeals case that could very well upend a lot of the uh, J6 cases. We have a situation where the Trump fraud trial, an expert witness uh, on the stand testified that there is no evidence of fraud. And then we also have uh, Jack Smith requesting to skip over the appeals court for a Trump appeal on the question of whether or not he has immunity uh, by virtue of uh, doing things under his official action as president at the time, trying to fast track that to the uh, Supreme Court to get a final ruling. Uh, a lot of people feel like that's more political than legal. So I guess if you like, we'll go dealer's choice and let you start with which one of those topics you think we should begin with. So maybe we can save the best for last. Well, let me give you the easy one. The easy one is that the expert witness in Trump's case was absolutely right. Uh, this, these entries were not fraudulent as defined under the law because nobody relied on them. Okay, that's number one. False is not the same thing as fraudulent, even if you consider Trump's uh, uh, financial statement to be false as opposed to being just a matter of opinion, uh, which is neither true nor false. It's just opinion. But let's even assume for purposes of argument that the financial statement was false. It's not fraudulent. Nobody's relying on it. And, and to be fraud, someone has to be rely, rely on it and it has to be to their detriment. No, nobody lost money. Nobody's claiming that uh, they had any damage at all here. So it's not fraud. And the statute requires fraudulent conduct. So that's an easy one. The problem is, even though this expert is absolutely 100% correct, because this is a case in which there's no jury trial, uh, right, uh, or at least that's the way the statute is written, um, the judge can disregard it because the judge is the judge and the jury, so to speak. He's the finder of fact. So the judge will just ignore this testimony, even though the testimony was absolutely 100% correct. So if your audience wants to learn about unfairness in the law, you got it right there in spades. So, so that's that's that that that's an easy one. Now let's okay. go to this Jack Smith case, which is one of the most significant cases uh, in United States history, because I think it's a question of first impression. The closest right, that well, is, John, is a, can I can that, I interrupt you yeah. one, for one quick question yeah. about the first case before we go forward? Sure, sure. G- given that. Uh, that this witness is clearly on the record and that a lot of people understand this unfairness, doesn't that give Trump an excellent chance at appeals and how much damage to his business can still be done in that in-between time? Well, here's the thing. A lot depends on what, how the court reviewing court wants to look at this. 
it's standard among lawyers that when there is a question within the jury's province or the fact finder's province, if it's a judge, that normally findings of fact are not disturbed on appeal. Only uh, matters of law are decided on appeal or matters of fact that are so extreme in one direction that they become matters of law. In other words, this if there's no evidence of negligence, for example, presented in a case, the appellate court can step in if there's just none. Um, so I fear that uh, depending upon you know what the appellate court wants to do here and how they want to view this, if they're true anti-Trumpers, they can avoid the fact that th- there really isn't fraud here. I mean, I think <laughs> I think it's clear as a matter of law that there's no fraud. And if I were on that court, I'd overturn this case in a microsecond. The second thing about this case is, as a matter of law, there are no damages. Any first-year lawyer listening to this conversation we're having would know that in, in fraud cases, the measure of damages is, quote, out-of-pocket damages. It's not what you could have, would have charged had you known the truth and you would have invested in Berkshire Hathaway or done something else or charged the guy more. That right. is the that is the uh, standard. It's called out-of-pocket. Well, you know, th- this there's no proof of out-of-pocket damages here. So uh, that's and yet the judge is going to sock Trump with two hundred fifty million dollars. So that's a real good basis for appeal, I think, that there's been no proof of that. So not only is there no fraud, there's no damages. And then given the fact that there's no damages, is it an unnecessarily extreme remedy that um, uh, to, to dissolve his business? Uh, then you get into. Not only is that an extreme remedy that should be overturned as an abuse of discretion, there's also, and nobody talks about this, there's also a constitutional issue. Any, anything, any fine or penalty that is excessive in proportion to the wrong done is unconstitutional under the 8th and 14th Amendments. Justice Ginsburg just decided one of these cases before her death. Uh, this is something that is so extreme, shutting down Trump's business because of a supposed fraud, which isn't fraud, where there's no damage and you're going to shut down his business, is an extreme uh, uh, excessive penalty and therefore, in my view, uh, is unconstitutional. So that thing can go all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, as did the case of, of Tim's v. Indiana, in which a fellow was convicted of a drug offense and the state wanted to take away his $42,000 vehicle which he bought with funds other than drug funds. And Justice Ginsburg said, no, you can't do that. That's excessive. And there's a drug there's a drug charge here, but there's nothing that justifies taking away a $42,000 automobile for it. Sorry, we're overturning it. And the court said the, the problem here is that someone can use excessive fines or penalties to chill the speech or to damage a political opponent. And that's exactly what's happening here. So if anybody wants to read Tim's, T-I-M-B-S v. Indiana, you'll see that it fits within that. So there are all kinds of reasons that this civil case should be overturned. Uh, Now, will the court step in, the appeals court, and prevent the trial court from dissolving the corporation? They've already done that once. In other words, the court tried to dissolve it in the middle of the trial, and the appellate court said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's wait until the case is over first, and then you can 
provide for a remedy, which uh, may be dissolution. Uh, so the question is, will the appeals court step in a second time and say, uh, I think we ought to wait till the appeals heard before the guy loses a pretty substantial business. And remember, this statute is a consumer fraud statute. It's meant for minor things that the little guy gets hit with that doesn't have enough money to handle his own legal affairs and the attorney general steps in, you know, if there's a, a you know, a payroll lender, a predatory payroll lender or somebody that's selling, uh, you know, uh, memberships in a record club where nobody gets records or, you know, that sort of thing or trips to Las Vegas that are phony. That's the yeah. kind of thing that a that this statute is meant for. It's not meant for something where Deutsche Bank has made a $300 million loan. Guess what? Deutsche Bank can handle its own affairs. It can sue if it thinks it's been defrauded. So this statute shouldn't even be applied to the big boy type of transactions that we're dealing with. Um, it's, it's really silly. You won't find, you go around the United States and you won't find a consumer fraud statute used for this type of large commercial transaction where the supposed victim who doesn't claim to be a victim or victims, um, is not suing, is not claiming anything wrong happened and, and an attorney general stepping in. You just won't find it. I mean, this is such an aberration of a case. It's absurd. So there are all kinds of reasons it should be overturned. Uh, and Trump should not go out of business. But the fact that it's a distinct possibility is very sickening. Um, uh, now, if we want to move on to the uh, most one of the most important cases in United States history in terms of precedent, uh, it's the question of whether a sitting president has immunity in a case such as January 6th. I think the issue is... Let's say Trump did something that had nothing to do with presidential duties. He went out and he uh, shot a boyfriend of Melania's, okay? Had nothing to do with his duties. You could argue that presidential immunity does not apply and he could be prosecuted at least once he gets out of office, okay? Now, in this case, the January 6th case, even though, you, you know, Smith would argue, well, Trump's really acting not as a president but as a candidate, but, you know, I mean, there's an awful lot here. He's in office. He's an incumbent running for office. Uh, acts are often, what do I want to say, acts are often um, political. A lot of what a president does is political, and you should not exclude political uh, from the president's immunity. I am on the side of saying that he's immune, but it's a close question, and I wouldn't be surprised court came out and said, well, uh, the trial court has to decide whether he was acting as a candidate only. And if he's acting as a candidate only, uh, he should be he should not be immune uh, and, and kick it back downstairs. Um, I think this is a real interesting question. It was not decided in Watergate, even though they were sort of skirting around the issue when President Ford pardoned President Nixon. It was on the assumption that someone might try to prosecute Nixon for what he did in office. Uh, right. uh, it really recognized that the question of immunity, presidential immunity, had really not been decided. Um, so I, I'm in favor of um, a larger conception of immunity, but that's just me. And right. a lot of this is legal philosophy and uh, really a study of the Constitution and 
Uh, I got to say this, our Supreme Court, these guys are pretty smart. Their clerks are the best. And uh, I think it's going to be highly interesting. I can't wait to read the briefs. Yeah, I mean, this is a situation, though, where there is a lot of gray area, and it's not just judicial uh, theory that has to be applied here, but it also comes down to trying to ascertain what was in Trump's head and his heart at the time he was doing this, because if you uh, tend to think that Trump was of the mind that this election had been stolen, uh, then any action he took in an effort to try and prevent uh, this action to have happened is actually part of his constitutional duties to protect the integrity uh, of what's happened. Uh, if you don't believe that that's what happened, that, that wasn't what he was thinking, that this was a case where he did in fact know that he lost but was still trying to find a way not to give up power, then you could make a, a different case where there shouldn't be any immunity. So it really is a complicated issue. But uh, my real question is, is there a legitimate legal reason other than the political idea of wanting to try to get a conviction on Trump before the election for Jack Smith to ask this uh, to be skipped uh, over the appeals court and go directly to the Supreme Court? What, what's your thought on that? Well, he did that, and I think it was a smart move, number one, because it's eventually going to get to the Supreme Court anyway. But what he wants to do is save time. Because he wants the trial to go off on Super Tuesday, May March 4. Uh, and if it went up to the D.C. Circuit, the D.C. Circuit might say, oh, this is a great issue. You know, let's have briefing through four months down the line and then we'll have a hearing and we'll get it decided by May. Well, and then the, then they have an appeal to the Supreme Court. So I think Smith was wise in getting this d decision uh, handled quickly, and it looks like the Supreme Court's eager to handle it, and they're going to have hearings in early January. So uh, it is, I think, justice is being done in that regard, and it might as well get it done now uh, and, and, and find out the issue. Now, you brought up something very, very important in your late, latest very articulate way of describing the idea of immunity. You also described the notion that this is a free speech issue. After all, even if he's just a candidate, he has a right to petition the government for redress of grievance uh, under the First Amendment. And there's some very, very strong cases protecting fiery, violent rhetoric of usually of leftist dissidents throughout the country where the Supreme Court had very noble ACLU-type uh, protections for the person that, uh, you know, that had inflammatory rhetoric. Now, here's Trump, whose rhetoric was not all that inflammatory compared to these cases. And those cases upheld the right, the right of uh, the person to, uh, to, to make these uh, fiery speeches uh, as a First Amendment right. Now, here, he's not just on a stump saying, oh, we ought to burn down Congress. He's actually petitioning for a specific remedy, for a specific redress of a specific grievance. And so in my view, you've got a serious First Amendment issue, which should torch the whole case. Now, I don't know that the Supreme Court's going to reach that in this decision or not. I don't think Smith has teed it up. But you have an admixture of not only presidential, possible presidential immunity, you also have... Included in that free speech. Now, 
they're also getting into other testimony that the president of the president's conversations with other people. Now, when I was an assistant U.S. attorney, we routinely objected to these things uh, because you normally are not allowed to get into the thought process of the executives who are acting um, in the course and scope of their duties. Now, like you say, uh, arguably Trump's still president. He still has a role to ensure the safety of elections. So there are all kinds of reasons uh, what I just uh, enunciated was sort of a privilege type of thing, uh, not an immunity, but like a uh, like an akin to an attorney-client privilege. It's, we call it the thought processes of administrators or executives. So you have all those things combined in one ball, and I don't know how much the Supreme Court's going to get into things other than presidential immunity, but it's a fascinating subject. Uh, query, you know, if they impeached him for what he did, that's tantamount to an admission that what he was doing was to some extent within the course and scope of his duties as president. They're just saying it was a high crime and misdemeanor that you committed while president, but they're sort of admitting that he did it as a president. And if you did it as a president, the only remedy of a wrong is impeachment. Thomas Jefferson thought that the Louisiana Purchase was unconstitutional. It was not enumerated in the Constitution. He wanted to do it. He told everybody that he thought he was acting unconstitutionally, but he would do it anyway. If anybody wanted to impeach him, be his guest. Uh, But that should be, according to one school of thought, the sole remedy for a president who's in office and does something illegal that at least is within the ambit of his authority, like I say, as opposed to a private act of shooting somebody uh, for a personal reason, you know, uh, or or stealing something that uh, had nothing to do with being president. Uh, that might be an exception. But uh, in this case, I think there's a really good argument. So anyway, uh, get out your popcorn and, you know, get ready for the ride because it's going to be a very interesting uh, decision. Yeah, there's uh, definitely the air of one of the words that I've really started to not like to hear or even say uh, of something that's unprecedented. Uh, it's been way overused since COVID's existence. Um, uh, obviously, uh, John, we're already running out of time for this segment. So uh, what I'll have to do is try to get you back sometime soon. We'll continue these discussions because, you know, all these cases are not only interesting, but uh, they're going to be really important, especially going on into the next year. And there's a lot of things to discuss about them. So it was really unfair for me to even throw uh, three different ones out there at one time. Uh, it's, it's just difficult to get there. But before we say our goodbye, Please uh, remind everybody where they can find your work. Let them know about the podcast, the books, your website. And uh, if anybody is uh, in the area uh, where you're still working and needs some legal aid, uh, feel free to share that as well. Any any information at all you want to throw out, go ahead right now, sir. Well, what I would tout is just the most important book about these things is called Postgate. Uh, how the Washington Post betrayed Deep Throat, covered up Watergate, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. You can get it on my website, postgatebook.com, or just go to Amazon for the book Postgate. Um, and it tells you all you need to know 
about the intersection of journalism slash the media and politics and how uh, journalists have tried to become, especially national journalists, of, of political powers and exercise uh, their profession really to influence political events rather than reporting the truth. So I think it's the most important subject we have to discuss today because the general populace does not get the truth and we have a democracy and how can you make a decision when you don't get the full truth? But anyway, it's been great being with you. Thanks. Uh, This is a really interesting set of questions you posed today. So let's discuss them further. Absolutely. Uh, Again, thank you so much for your expertise and your time, John. I look forward to getting together again with you real soon. Thank you very much. Great. Good talking to you. See you. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is, of course, John O'Connor, and uh, there will be links in the show description if you're checking out the podcast after the fact uh, to the podcast, to the books, and uh, you know to his website as well. Be sure to check it out. Now, before we uh, slide into our mid-hour break, need to remind you about our good friends over at Vanish Holsters. Yes, that's right. If you have been waiting to get a special gift item for that gun lover in your life, uh, then this one is the best promotional deal you can come across this holiday season because Vanish Holsters is running an awesome deal right now where you can buy one of their ultra-comfortable holsters at a discounted price and then get a second one for half off of that already low discounted price. Perfect if you want to own and use the world's most comfortable holster and give one to a friend or a family member. Now, I promise you, you're going to love it more than any other holster you own. And the reason why is because you can use it to carry almost any gun at all that you own in absolute comfort. It's so comfortable, you'll forget you're wearing it. That's why it's called Vanish in the first place. Now, best of all. If for whatever reason you don't love it as much as I think you will, comes with a money-back guarantee, so you can get all your money back with their hassle-free return policy, but I'm guessing that's not going to be an issue. Look, it works with 99% of all semi-automatic handguns, it works without a tactical belt, it lets you carry in multiple positions, and it lets you conceal two fully loaded magazines. You're not going to do better than that. So Merry Christmas, get over, see for yourself, www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. You want to do the backslash T-A-P-P because that's what's going to activate that discounted price for you. That's Vanish Holsters. One more time, www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P. Uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Richard V. Battle. Dearest Santa, I don't want toys or choo-choo trains with lots of noise. I want a home like I. I'm Becky Noble. You're listening to Tim Tapp and Tap in the Truth. Dearest Santa, I will be just as good as I can be if you'll give me a family Christmas Day. I'm so lonesome. I'm so Please, dear 
Santa, don't ignore this little boy who's begging for a mother whom he'll just adore Christmas Day. Ukrainian not-so-funny man turned Ukrainian dictator Zelensky came to the United States seeking funding for his nation's big problem with Russia. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Zelensky came with empty outstretched hands and left with empty pockets. Many U.S. politicians, including Mitch McConnell and Senator Raphael Warlock of Georgia, who foolishly stated, quote, that some Republican lawmakers were cynically using the issue of illegal immigration at the United States-Mexican border to block funding for the Ukrainian war, unquote. Now, that statement is a reflection of the overall attitude of far too many of those like Warlock who were elected to govern on behalf of we the people and put our national interest first, but who refused to do so, which, by the way, is part of the diabolical Cloward Piven strategy, which, among other things, is to undermine our national interests, like protecting our borders and also fritter away our financial and military resources. So it was with much tear to learn that the United States would not be wasting more of our tax dollars on a nation that provoked the Russian bear, now wreaking havoc in Ukraine. I'm Ron Edwards. Brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. These stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly, But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about because you want the best. Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueRidgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE10 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Introducing Einstock. Drink. Conquer. Repeat. Einstock beer is a globally distributed, award-winning Icelandic craft beer. Einstock is created from the Icelandic water that flows from glaciers through lava fields 
and delivers some of the purest water on earth. Knowing that beer is 95% water, we source the first and most vital ingredient from the local springs of a mountain that stands guard over the town of Akiari, just 60 miles south of the Arctic Circle. Einstock beer is crafted with locally sourced ingredients, and the brewery runs from 100% renewable energy sources, geothermal, and hydropower. Einstock has become the number one craft beer and also the number one alcohol export from Iceland. Here in the United States, you can find Einstock beer on the shelves at retail chains like ABC Fine Wine and Spirits, Bemmo, Cost Plus World Market, HEB in Texas, Kroger, Publix, Target, Total Wine, Trader Joe's, and Whole Foods, just to name a few. So won't you raise a glass and drink Repeat. When I invented my pillow, my passion was to help each and every one of you. And 20 years later, all of your support is what keeps us going. Because of you, we've been able to create thousands of USA jobs and help millions get the best sleep ever. To thank you, my employees and I are bringing you a limited edition my pillow. The Giza Elegance My Pillow is made with my patented adjustable fill, the most amazing cotton, and a two-inch pipe gusset. It has four custom loft levels, machine washable and dryable, and you get my 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com and use promo code TAPP or call 1-800-659-9936. That's MyPillow.com with promo code TAPP. From all of us here at MyPillow, thanks for Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. Hi, I'm Richard Battle, author and speaker and media commentator, and you're listening to Tim Tap on Tapping the Truth. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for staying with us through that break. Uh, before we jump back into things, I needed to tell you a little story. I was listening to Christmas music, as I often do this time of year. I hope you guys do as well. I have this firm rule at home. We don't start until after Thanksgiving. I refuse to skip over it. I love the Christmas spirit. I love the Christmas season. I love the reason for the season. But Thanksgiving is too important to skip. But here's the thing. I was listening to Burl Ives' song, Silver and Gold. And I know this sounds terrible, but the first thing that came to mind was our friends over at Harvard Gold Group. <laughs> it has a lot to do with doing business with us. And when you're thinking about silver and gold, uh, when you take the holiday season out of the equation, I can't think of anybody that's in a better position to help you to protect your retirement or if you just want to have gold in your hand, to give them a call. Just get their free investor's guide today. Uh, make that phone call. It's 
844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653. Or you can give them a visit at harvardgoldgroup.com if you just want to hop online. Either way, be sure to mention promo code TAP, that's T-A-P-P, or mention TAP into the truth. Just let them know I sent you, and that will give you an additional promotional free amount of gold or silver uh, on top of any other promotional things you're able to take advantage of. That is, of course, just for full disclosure, with a qualifying purchase. Just give them a call, 844-977-GOLD, or visit at harvardgoldgroup.com. Now, uh, our good friend Richard has waited long enough. Let's go ahead and bring uh, Richard on. Richard, thank you so much for joining us again tonight, and how are you? Good evening, Tim. Thank you for having me, and I'm doing fantastic. Excellent. Now, uh, we normally have you on talking about uh, various things that are happening in the state of Texas, and then we spend a lot of time talking about a lot of great books that you've written, and you have written a lot of good ones. But it being the holiday season, as I was talking about, one of the often overlooked uh, effects of the holiday season, unless you're experiencing it, is holiday depression and there's a lot of different things going on and as it so happens you wrote a book that's very helpful i think in regards to that so i wanted to once again uh, bring up the topic of the unopened present uh, and wanted to get into the story of exactly what brought you to reading that uh, to writing the book and uh, what your purpose was and uh, you know maybe hopefully help some folks that are struggling this holiday season uh, to find some solace and uh, maybe Maybe even find some joy, even in the face of uh, overwhelming sadness. But, uh, you know, before we even start that conversation, I wanted to thank you personally for opening up your your experience, which was uh, by all accounts, there's no way it couldn't have been a painful one. But with the understanding that by sharing it with other people, it would be the kind of thing that could be very helpful. So thank you for having the courage to do that because even the best of writers don't always have the courage to go that deep into their personal story. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And really it's the story of, of two of the books that I've done. Uh, years ago, my son was six months old and I was an older father at the time. And I was concerned that I wouldn't live long enough to teach him the important things in life. And too often we're so busy with little league games and dinner and what we're doing for summer vacation. We don't think about the important life altering principles that we need to teach. So I wrote him a letter and I included 43 important lessons, if you will, in an outline form. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away three months later. And that led originally to the book I wrote, Surviving Grief by God's Grace. And that's what helped me get through the loss of him years ago. And that letter was an appendix in that book. But after that, it was, I'll say, lost because I hadn't thought about it in a long time. And last year, I was doing a radio piece in Iowa, and it was a station I appear on semi-regularly. And it was four minutes, which is usually all the time we have. And it was Father's Day week, and we were talking about fatherhood, and I was talking about the loss of my son in that book. And I had to do this interview at 7.39 in the morning from a Ford dealership where I dropped my truck off to get fixed from the sales lounge. Four minutes. 
And somebody walked through while I was doing the interview, uh, finished, I left, I get a phone call. It's the dealership. I'm afraid that my truck's messed up. Call them back. And the guy asked me, and I'm doing this very quickly, asked me if I was the guy on the phone because he did not realize I was on a radio interview. And I said I was. And he said, I just wanted to call and thank you. Last night, I prayed to God that he would send somebody to say something that could help console me because I lost my daughter two months ago, and I think you were him. And I was humbled beyond belief. And after that, a friend suggested I take the letter and enhance it and add more context and tell that story of that interview uh, in the unopened present because my son never got to open the present of those life important life lessons that I wrote him. And so the unopened present are those 43 lessons uh, put in a very easy-to-read format with a scripture with each one and examples and stories that help parents and young people to learn the important things in life so they make sure they hit them versus overlooking them with all of daily, daily business, busyness, if you will. Yeah, and I, I remember last year about this time we were talking about it as well uh, because, again, we had revisited. It was the second time then we had talked about the unopened present because uh, had you on not too long after its uh, original release, which was earlier in that year. But uh, it, it still it, – it hits me in such a way, that story, because we often are going through – and doing things, and we're not always paying attention to who's overhearing our conversations, and we, we're always looking for those signs. We're looking for things for ourselves, and sometimes we kind of forget the fact that every now and then we are who God is working through, and I think this not only shows that example in a very real way, but it also shows that through tremendous grief and through individual pain, that as long as you maintain faith, you can become stronger and you can become a guiding light to others, that there can be joy to be found in life afterwards, and that every tragedy has two options uh, before you. And if you choose the path of life and faith, uh, then miracles can happen for yourself and other people, and sometimes even in ways you never expected. And that is a message I think is extremely important year-round, but uh, right now so many people are struggling. Uh, it's a good time to really highlight those messages. We all know somebody, if we're not that one, we know somebody that's struggling. The sad part, Richard, is maybe we don't realize how bad they're struggling. Well, that's exactly true, and, and part of what I wrote about the unopened present was I outlined how many things that God had to bring together where that individual could hear me during that four-minute period. It's unbelievable. It could not have been a coincidence or random. Uh, and I go back, and I've been humble so many times. The first lesson I learned after the loss of my son and, and wrote about in Surviving Grief by God's Grace was my pastor gave it to me at his service, and he said the impact of a life is more important than its length. And my son, with people who read The Unopened Present, his life continues to have impact even though he's been gone many years now. And that, to me, is from God only. 
uh, I learned that I don't grieve where my son is. I grieve where he isn't because I have the hope that we celebrate the birth of Jesus this season. I have the hope of seeing him again. And that was an important lesson to me. If I had no hope of seeing him again, then life would be so terrible uh, because we would have that grief around our neck every day with no hope of relief. Yeah, and again, I, I have to keep reiterating, you know, it, it's something that it's really easy to lose sight of. And uh, until you have that moment where you see it for yourself and then sometimes uh, you, you turn around and you're like, how did I not see this was going on? And it can be as simple as just giving a kind word at the right time. It can be as simple as uh having to deal with whatever you got going on and, and sharing it with somebody uh, in a way that they recognize that other people are in the same boat and just the life lessons here in the book and, and the way it, it becomes a must have in my opinion, uh, Richard, uh, if, if you have a personal library at home or if you have just thought about getting one, I don't care if you're thinking about not, ever owning a physical book <laughs> this is a book that you not only need to read but you need to have because there's so much involved here that uh, you can go back and reread it and it's going to be just as impactful and you're pro probably going to hit something a little bit differently than what it did before maybe even something you completely missed and, and i think that's part of the beauty of uh, the unopened present because there is that level of depth and depending on where you're at when you see it it can be inspirational at multiple levels and it's just a really great uh, not just a, a great book but it's a reminder about how life is meant to be lived and uh, I think that's a great gift all in of itself I really appreciate that comment and uh First thing is, I wrote the original letter to my son 26 years ago this month. And when I went back after not looking at it for over 20 years to consider this book, uh, it amazed me at how everything still applies today. And the work I try to do, I want things to be applicable 50 years or more from now for my grandchildren or future great-grandchildren, that they can pick up what I've written and it still will apply to them. And we have this uh, unopened presence available also in Kindle and audio versions as well. It's been such a blessing. We've had people this Christmas season where they'll order multiple volumes to give it to their employees, or we've had grandparents buy multiple volumes to give it to their kids for raising their grandkids. Anybody 12 and up can read it. So there's been so many different gift opportunities for people to give this out and, and use it as a resource and help people when they're facing different situations day by day. Well, again, I, I'm so grateful for all the work you do, Richard, and I'm even more grateful that you're willing to come on air with us and uh, talk about it and uh, give your insights and uh, your opinions as well. 
you're definitely a great guest, regardless of what the topic happens to be. Now, the last couple of times you visited, we hadn't had a chance to touch on it. So I've got one more question before we start wrapping things up. And what's currently in the pipeline? Do we have anything you're prepared to announce about upcoming <laughs> and new things? Well, I think that the most important thing or two things I would say, look, look next June for a big announcement. Uh, that'll probably be a release date. But I've been amazed that once I left the corporate world and have gone full time to writing and speaking, when I've slowed down enough to listen for the spirit, how often the spirit will speak to me. Uh, and I've been given from the spirit a project to work on that's a patriotic pro uh, project, something to try to help our young people gain and increase their love for our country and appreciate what our forebears have done for us. And that's what I'm working on now, and I'm really excited about it and look forward to announcing it and wish I could do it today, but I plan to do so just before Independence Day next summer. All right. Fair enough. I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk again before then. And I'll try really hard not to uh, bug you about an early uh, announcement here. <laughs> In the meanwhile, Richard, uh, God bless. Thank you so much. Uh, I was remiss, actually, with the earlier guest. I kind of ran a little long and I cut it uh, short. I, I had fully intended uh, because most likely it will be after the new year before we get a chance to talk again. So I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, and uh, I do look forward to our next opportunity, sir. Uh, God bless. Please let everybody know where they can find your work. Share the websites that you need to put out there. And as long as you're inviting people to follow you on social media, by all means, let them know the handles and the platforms and anything else you want to throw out there before we say our final goodbyes. Well, thank you so much. All 10 of my books are available on Amazon and other booksellers, including Kindle on about eight and audio on about six. If you go to richardbattle.com, all books are signed. And if you want something, we have until about Monday to get something shipped out for Christmas. Uh, if you'll order at the website richardbattle.com, any volume, and then email me richard at richardbattle.com, I'm happy to personally inscribe those those gift volumes, which to me, uh, even though I'm not all that big a deal, people always find an author signed book, an inscribed book to be a special gift. And I am available on all social media and on Twitter. It's at Richard V. Battle. Uh, you can find me on YouTube and Rumble as well uh, with a series of videos uh, also in a daily video broadcast. All right. Again, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and a uh, very Merry Christmas to you and your family. And uh, I hope all the blessings that uh, you have managed to help bestow and share with everybody are revisited upon you uh, tenfold. Thank you very much, sir. Well, my pleasure. God bless America and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Richard V. Battle. He is, of course, the author of a multitude of books at this point. I, I'm still trying to figure out if his uh, daily devotional or if America, America was built by Americans, not Americans. 
Uh, one of those two are in the running for my favorites, but I got to tell you, uh, the unopened present has really kind of catapulted up uh, to that neck and neck level. And and these are just a few of his stuff, and, and they're some of the more recent. So, again, check out the entire library of Richard B. Battle products. Go to the website, see it for yourself, uh, read some of it, or if you have to have the audio version for whatever reason, uh, it's well worth your time. I promise you. It's great stuff. Richard is phenomenal. Uh, there will be links uh, in the show description to the Amazon site as well, but the website will also be linked in. So feel free if you're listening, uh, happen to be listening to the podcast instead of the live broadcast, uh, be sure to click it. That'll take you right there. Now, I just want to remind everybody also, while we're on the topic of authors that are really, really good, and we'll have him on sometime soon. Again, probably not until the beginning of the new year unless something else pops up. But uh, I'm still sitting here with my brand new – I got it early. It's now officially released. I got it a little early. A Very Convenient Warming from Gregory Wrightstone, the second book. Uh, it's great. It, check it out. Look for it. Get a copy. I'll put a link to that in the show description as well. And uh, also, just FYI, before we uh, reset the hour, I do have a new article up at Real Clear Markets. It's Americans Who Need Medication Can't Afford Biden's Prescription. Uh, I recommend you check it out there and then visit tapintothetruth.com or uh, tap into the truth over at Locals and read the original draft before they edit it. I, I think you'll like my version a little better. Uh, for some reason, I do. Anyway, uh, let's reset the hour. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Ron Edwards American Experience Talk Show and the Edwards Notebook Commentary, wishing you and my good friend Tim Tapp a happy Christmas and a wonderful new year. This is Tim Tap, host of Tap Into the Truth that you can hear every Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, Liberty Talk FM, ZMA Radio, and the Vera Network.
This is Matt Fitzgibbons from PatriotMusic.com, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party. A mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. Rocking around the Christmas tree, let the Christmas spirit ring. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into hour number two as we dive headlong, continuing the live Friday night show. Thank you so much for being here. As always, I appreciate it more than words can say. Hope you guys are having a very Merry Christmas or a Happy Hanukkah. Uh, depending on your persuasion, you're all welcome here. And if you're celebrating something else, then okay, well, good for you. Uh, as a Christian, I'm going to say, Merry Christmas, and I hope you'll take it in the spirit in which it's intended. If it offends you, sorry, but that's that's where we're at, guys. Uh, you know how I am by now if you're a regular listener. Okay. Uh, we, of course, are still slated. Two more guests on for the night. Going to be interesting. Before we jump into our next topic, though, with our next guest, do have to remind you once again about our friends over at Four Patriots. Okay, so... I keep pushing this because, you know, it is Christmas time, and maybe you do have that really hard-to-shop-for person on your list, and maybe you've been thinking, what are we going to get them that they're really going to like? Well, you know, sometimes instead of what they really would like, we need to think about what could they use, what do they need, and if they're not prepared for when things go a little wonky for a little while – then maybe Four Patriots is the perfect place for you to start looking for something for those guys. Like if you're not already preparing for yourself, it's a great chance to see for yourself as well. Uh, like we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Doug, producer, hanging out uh, at the command center. He's still unwrapping uh, new stuff he just got from the Four Patriots berries and uh, a lot of great stuff. In the meanwhile, uh, what you really need to do is visit forpatriots.com backslash T-A-P-P that'll let you land right there on the special page for listeners of this show it starts you out with the specials of the week uh, items that are on sale items that uh, may be running low in inventory so they might be hard to get soon so order now kind of deal but you can shop the entire site from there once you're on that page and you can see all kinds of great things including the best selling survival food kits that are rated to last up to 25 years the food tastes great. You'd never guess that that's what's going on. Maybe you want to have some uh, backup emergency plans in the event that your electricity is off for an extended period of time. They got you covered there as well. Uh, the only thing I can tell you is what I say at the end of every show. Don't take my word for it. Go see for yourself. That's 
for Patriots, the number four, uh, tap in the number four, patriots.com backslash T-A-P-P. That way they know I sent you. And again, you get to start out with the special deals ongoing. Uh, all right. With all that said, it's time to welcome to the show a first-time guest. He is a uh, attorney that has a very unique specialty. Uh, he has, of course, during the course of his career, argued cases before the Supreme Court of Texas. Uh, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, along with numerous uh, court uh, appeals, including in front of the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Mr. Ken W. Good. Ken, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, to make sure I don't forget later as we're wrapping things up, uh, not only uh, I appreciate you being here, but Merry Christmas to you, sir. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on your show, and Merry Christmas to you as well. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Um, one of the things that I think we often uh, kind of overlook uh, is the legality side uh, when we're talking about the reform efforts with bail. And, and as it turns out, you happen to be a bail law expert, which is a very unique kind of specialty. Uh, in fact, uh, there are very few people that uh, operate in that expertise. So before we jump into the topic itself, because there's a lot of opinions, uh, some people very strongly opinionated, even without much consideration about the nuance of the legal side. Uh, how is it that you ended up kind of focused on uh, bail law? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I graduated from law school over 30 years ago. I started out representing doctors in hospitals when they got sued. Uh, but I always have always had an, uh, an, an appellate interest. To, uh, I, for some reason, I've always excelled in um, uh, arguing cases at the Court of Appeals uh, or the appellate courts, even in law school, they have competitions and I always excelled better in, in moot court with appellate type competitions. And so I, uh, whatever I've done, I've always had that kind of appellate tent. And so when I do it, representing doctors and hospitals, I still did appellate work. And so when I went to uh, a section on new and important cases from the courts of appeals and Oops. And like the five cases turned out to be my cases. And so that's carried on. And so I someone got in trouble with a bond issue. And someone asked them, what kind of attorney do you need to hire? And someone said, well, you need an appellate attorney. And so they hired me and I straightened out that out for them. And then just word of mouth spread. And so I started representing uh, uh, more uh, clients on bond related issues. And so I'm now t uh, Texas counsel for uh, several uh, uh, surety companies, and I represent Bellonsman across the state of Texas. But then there was this really big issue in Houston and Harris County in a federal court, and I, I was asked to go to the hearing, and I went, and it became very clear to me that the case was going south and that I thought the judge was making the wrong decision in that case. And so I came out and started calling uh, uh, people and saying, you know, this case, you know, calling a red alarm fire and uh, telling people we needed to become uh, experts on these issues. 
And so we set out, or I set out, to become um, very knowledgeable in the issues that are raised uh, by uh, in these types of cases. And as, as a result of that, my even my initial prediction turned out to be correct. The judge in that case has now been reversed five or six or even more times on these very issues in, in the very case that I was there uh, sitting in. So I just have had that tense, and I've always used it in whatever area of law I'm practicing or specializing in. And I set about to become uh, knowledgeable on these cases and, and now have written um, numerous uh, uh, articles on, on those on, on those types of issues. Yeah. Well, it, it certainly sounds like a, a very unique set of circumstances that led to a very unique specialty. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's uh, – I find myself often kind of – wavering back and forth. Now, as a conservative uh, show host, I tend to be highly critical of a lot of these DAs. Uh, strangely enough, a lot mm-hmm. of them seem to get backing from the same source. Uh, we're not really supposed to say his name because it uh, <laughs> means that we're being anti-Semitic, even though that doesn't really seem to matter to the left too much at the moment. Uh, <laughs> I digress. Um the the thing here is with this, I can see some situations, some circumstances where the folks that are pro uh, bail reform that leads down to kind of the zero bail ideology, uh, they'll make a legitimate argument, or at least I'm willing to concede in some cases it is, that it feels like uh, an additional punishment, that it's unfair, that it's too much, because it is part of the deterrent. And a lot of us uh, people, uh, I'm saying probably somewhere around 40 or over, uh, we're very much cognitive of the fact that our judicial system was intended to be uh, a system that put those discouraging roadblocks to try and keep people from committing crimes, to give as much deterrence as possible. But uh, if you acknowledge that it's that way in some cases, then you have to look at how you draw a line. Uh, but it really feels like, Ken, and you can correct me if you feel like I'm uh, off the rails here on any part of this, by the way, uh, but it feels like there's something else at play in a lot of these cases, that, that these people aren't necessarily looking to try to find those instances where it's excessive, but they're really just looking at a way to try and tear down the system itself and maybe even a little bit of society. And I think that we tend to overreact to that to some degree to ignore that there's some good, but uh, it really does feel like a, a net negative for society as a whole, but in particular in the places where they've really put this into effect. Uh, your thoughts on any part of that, all of it, or am I just completely nuts? <laughs> You are not completely nuts. I agree with a lot that what you've said, uh, or agree a lot, agree with a lot of what you said. I think that uh, I think there's merit to the argument that uh, there's uh, well, this is a coalition to make reform, and part of that coalition wants to create chaos because out of chaos you create decriminalization, and I. And I think that that's what's driving a lot of this. I think a lot of the arguments that reasonable people would say have merit are not even true. I mean, to say today that we have first-time offenders that are in jail that can't get out, that's just absolutely 
uh, you know, baloney. Uh, jails are crowded as a result of COVID. They're crowded with very dangerous people. First-time offenders, they're, they're no longer in jail. And you can see that clearly with these charitable bail funds across the country that are finding themselves and getting in trouble because they're finding that those aren't, there's no people like that in jail. So who are they bailing out? They're bailing out the really dangerous people and they're getting in trouble because they're going out and killing people. And now they're getting sued by those families because they should have never been bonded out. So I think, you know, the, what we're really talking about is criminal justice reform and the bail reform part of it, which was probably one of the first things they pushed was really the low-hanging fruit. You know, who doesn't, I mean, they're the easy target. Everybody wants to attack the bail industry or, or the bail side of the release mechanism of how we get people out of jail but back to court. Because, you know, it, it just it, it's, we're always looking for alternatives. We always want to make the system better. The problem is the reason why the bail, the private bail industry has been around for 200 years is because there's not an alternative that works as well and does as good of a job that doesn't just create complete chaos. And we're finding that over and over again across the country, you know, especially like in Illinois. We have already been through that once where they got rid of the private surety bail system and then all they had left was, you know, cash bail. And that's just putting up cash or a percentage of the cash with the courts. And the Safety Act got rid of that uh, just recently. And so, crime was already going up as a result of the first wave crime is now going up again and it's actually you can see it the people who look at these issues would look and say when that happened crime was going to go up that was what was going to happen we now have studies that show that that support that and so where that's happening now you have to say it's not really anything other than politics and that's what we're we're courts or or, uh, counties or states or implementing these things now, you have to say it's just over politics. It doesn't have anything to do with crime because you know, uh, or criminal justice reform, because crime is going to go up as a result. That's been proven now. Well, it it seems like it would have been common sense to begin with. And I know uh, a lot of people like myself uh, started screaming that uh, over the airwaves as soon as we heard uh, the first DA that was looking to do that. And uh, there's no real joy in in trying to get to the I told you so part of the argument because in this particular case, that means that people that don't deserve to be hurt are being hurt. Uh, We're not talking about uh, people that are out there jaywalking. We're talking about violent individuals that are being turned loose to go back and reoffend. And and there's been so many cases uh, over the last two years alone of individuals that were brought in after committing a violent act against someone uh, back on the streets four hours or less later and recommitting or doing something even worse. And that that seems like it's still not resonating enough in some of these communities, but we are starting to see a change. Um, it's just coming really, really slow. Uh, but when we talk about the difference between the p- political side of it and the judicial side of it, is there – and I'll let you go uh, address the earlier comments too afterwards – but is there ever a point where this might have actually made sense from a legal point that someone should have uh, at least experimented with this? Or does it just seem like a bad idea from the start, uh, from your experience? 
I think this is. I think it's a bad idea from the start. Uh, if you go back all the way and trace back all these reforms to their genesis, you go all the way back to California, where they quit building jails, quit building capacity, and they got to 200% over. You know, 200% of their capacity was full in California state prisons, and so there was some litigation over that, and they were ordered to release a certain percentage of their jail population because uh, the court ruled they were not capable of providing uh, medical care to that number of people. So it didn't have anything to do with crime. It didn't have anything to do with they've been reformed. It was all over this medical uh, ability to provide medical care. That issue went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court, and uh, the conservative side lost. And so it was upheld. And so the very first push for reform and release of criminals from jail didn't have anything to do with, well, releasing them will make us safer. That's just an argument that came up after the fact as, oh, yeah, you will be safer by releasing more people from uh, prison. I mean, that's been proven to be not true at every step of, of, uh, that we've gone. I mean, if you have more people released from jail, you're going to have more crime. If you want to reduce crime, you got to hold people accountable and you got to put them in jail. And so all this, all the problems that are going on in California has really been to further reduce their, their, their criminal uh, uh, prison population because they don't have the political will to build further to more, to build more capacity in their prisons. And as long as they're not willing to build more prisons, then they are going to have a crime problem because now they're at the point where, they have an 80% failure to appear rate in misdemeanor court, and they don't can't hold anybody accountable. They have to that creates chaos because that creates huge backlogs. The only way they can address the backlogs, since no one's coming to court, is to dismiss the cases. That gives a green light for criminals to commit more crime, and then they get more brazen, and so it's more brazen crime, which becomes more felonies. That's the reason why they're reducing some felonies to misdemeanors, so they can make it look like. They're reducing crime, but they're just moving the numbers. And as they get more brazen, they commit worse crimes, which is the reason why the prisons or the county jails are full. They're full of very dangerous people who've already committed serious crimes, but now they don't have any room to reinstate accountability. And so we're at this point where look at look at car thefts. Car thefts are up 30% year over, and that's the most accurate uh, uh, statistic we have on crime because uh, insurance companies will not pay off until there's a police report. And so all these other statistics that we see and that where they're paying, playing games with the numbers because people don't report those as crimes anymore or we're no longer punishing them as crimes anymore, so we play with those numbers. Just forget all that and look at the crimes on, on car thefts. Those are through the roof, and that's the biggest barometer of where we are. And when you have the NAACP in Oakland saying we need a state of emergency because crime is out, out, of, out of control, then you know you have a crime problem. But we still have people on the left saying, oh, no, we just have a perception problem. The crime is actually going down. No, it's not. Anywhere we've in initiated these bad bail reforms, crime is through the roof. Yeah. Yeah, it's really funny how, <clears throat> and when I say funny, I mean it's not funny at all. 
but how some of these folks will try to justify these things, even to the point that they will blame everybody but the people committing the crimes. In fact, I'm sure you remember it's only been a few months since the last time we uh, added two new car makers onto the list of about seven uh, manufacturers now that they blame for the increase in car thefts because sure. they just make their cars too easy to steal. Then <laughs> that it's their fault, not yeah. the criminal. Uh, if we can't hold people accountable uh, for their own actions, then we have to expect bad things are going to start happening. And then when we don't have any level of deterrence that's considered to be acceptable, then we should expect that if you're not deterring something, then you're actually encouraging it. Uh, one of the other things well, that I think pointed out, and the, uh, we'll have to try to hit this like real quick, play. is actually the fact you touched on it a little bit earlier, but I would love to get a, a little more from you on this. And that's the fact that a lot of people, and I've heard this argument a lot when it comes to trying to get the zero bail policies pushed, uh, actually blames the bail industry itself, that somehow you guys aren't – uh when I say you guys, I mean uh, the bail industry, uh, not necessarily you uh, – that you're that they're in it for the profit and like they're making cash hand over fist, but it, it's really uh, when you look at the number of people that don't show and, and all the other things that kind of come into play, it's never been a high profit uh, industry uh, that, as far as I can tell. Uh, so I'd like to you to speak just a little bit on that before we uh, start moving towards wrapping up. Sure. Let's use some simple numbers to explain the difference between the private industry and these simple release mechanisms that have been such a failure. So the, the private bail industry, on average, has a less than 10 percent failure to appear rate. So it means out of every thousand people who are required to come to court, less than 100 people fail to show up versus these simple release mechanisms, which have a 50% failure to appear rate, or like in, in California, the misdemeanor courts have an 80% failure to appear rate, or in Harris County, misdemeanor courts have an 80% failure to appear rate, according to HarrisCountyCourtWatch.com. And you can see very quickly in our urban areas where a 1,000 people showing up in a week is just normal. I mean, that's what's being required, and if they don't come – then you you can see very quickly the difference between 100 and 800 people not showing up for court. And every week on average, the same number of cases are being added to this conveyor belt of the criminal justice system. And so the type of release mechanism you use has a significant impact on your ability to resolve cases and on your backlog. The reason why you're hearing those attacks, because the bail industry is an easy target. Nobody likes the bail industry. If we could find an alternative to the private industry bail system, we would because it's such an easy target. It's been around for 200 years because it does one thing and it does it very well uh, for a whole bunch of different reasons. You know, originally in Illinois, they got rid of the private bail industry years before the Safety, Safety Act, and their argument was very similar. Well, we're just going to get rid of the middleman. Well, no, they didn't get rid of the middleman. They got rid of everything when they got rid of the private surety bail system. And they went from a uh, less than 10% failure to appear rate to at least 50% or even higher. And so now it's even worse with getting rid of cash bonds. So you can see that the, the reason why they attacked, they want to attack the private industry bail so much is because 
once they do that, get rid of it. Any alternative is going to create chaos. And from that chaos, you're going to give so many opportunities for um, decriminalization because you have to, to keep from having your system collapse. That creates a green light for criminals to commit more crime. And you're tying the hands of judges, which I understand the argument by some people thinking that's noble, but when you tie the hands of judges in the name of you don't want to harm poor people, you're tying the hands of judges so they can't address gangs, career criminals, or organized crime. And those groups have found ways to make money hand over fist in those areas. I mean, and I would argue that there's not anything more those politicians could have done if they were in the pocket of, of these groups uh, to help them than the reforms they've already made. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's going to take more than uh, any Christmas miracle that we can hope for to get uh, the folks that are in a position to work towards uh, solutions and corrections and legitimate uh, forms of reform uh, to leave the politics out of it. Uh, too many of them are dependent but, you know, I think on there is hope. Uh, the there, politics, there I'm afraid. Well, Kent, oh, go ahead. I said there is hope. Because, you know, we have this really good example in this case called Sanchez versus Alabama, where they lived under this system on a preliminary injunction until it was overturned on appeal. So they lived under it for four or five years, and it had all of these bad results. But when they, when they won the appeal, they reversed it, and they re-implemented a, a system of accountability, and crime went back down. So the Sanchez versus Alabama model is the future. You can see it. Our mayors are starting to call for that. And there was a study recently in uh, Portland, Oregon, where they're calling for at least a minimal re-implementation of drug crimes uh, because they got rid of all drug crimes, and now they're having record overdoses every month, it seems like. So I, I, there is hope, and, and you're going to see it from the mayors first because they see the handwriting of the law on the wall. And where we're going is not sustainable. The, what we're seeing is just going to continue to get worse until we change course. Politicians know it. They're just in a box. The politicians on the left are in a box because they're donors. They're big money donors, like the person that you kind of referenced, don't want it. And t But that cannot continue because it's getting worse. The very people they're claiming to help, is they're hurting that whole minority group because they're releasing criminals back into those groups and they're committing more crime because the crime is heavier in, in our inner cities and the minority areas. And you may just end by saying across the country in the United States, 50% of all murders are on young black males. And by and large, the murderers are young black males as well. Somehow this whole criminal justice reform has turned the system on its head and now we're favoring the young black male murderer over the young black male victim. And we're releasing them back into that same community, and they're seeing it as a green light to commit more crime. That will change. It will change. It's just how long will it take? We're repeating the cycle of the 60s, and in the 80s we had a strong backlash to it. And if the left's not careful, that's exactly what's going to happen again. 
All right, Ken, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it right there. I think that's a pretty good place uh, to do a little hope uh, for the future. Uh, before uh, we uh, cut things off, though, real quick, let everybody know where they can find your work. If you've got any websites you want to share, if you invite people to follow you on social media, feel free to share your handles and which platforms. Well, thank you very much. Uh, if people want to learn more information about these issues, they can go to uh, pbtx.com, which is the professional bondsman of Texas, so pbtx.com. We have a blog there where we highlight important stories in the criminal justice reform movement. We also highlight when things go wrong. We also have our own um, podcast, which is uh, there's a link to it on our, our website, but if you want to go directly to it, you can go to the Bell Post, thebellpost.com, where we uh, cover criminal justice reform issues. People want to know what the uh, New Jersey plan is. We have an episode just explaining what the New Jersey plan is. What are the other simple release mechanisms being used across the country? We have episodes to explain it. Um, and so we, we try to just educate people, legislators, and other interested parties so that they'll be knowledgeable when these groups come before them and try to get them to pass failed or bad bail reform issues. All right. Again, thank you so very much, Ken. Uh, Godspeed to you. Uh, keep up the good work, and uh, we'll try to get together again sometime and continue the conversation. There's still a lot more to be said. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Ken W. Good. We'll have uh, links in the show description if you're listening there. Meanwhile, let's reset the hour because, you know what, uh, we're, again, running a little long. Uh, the lawyers want to talk. Imagine that. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> you're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Matt Fitzgibbons. This is Amy Hallam. This is AZ. Sharing the night. Department of Justice madman Jack Smith is so focused on getting President Trump locked up, he hopes to get quick help from the United States Supreme Court. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Evers Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. If one is accused of criminal activity in this land of presumed innocence until proven guilty, it seems rather odd or worse that the anxious Jack Smith has gotten the Supreme Court to rule on President Trump's claims of presidential immunity from the unwarranted charges levied against him, including conspiracy to defraud the United States, among other charges. Trump hater Smith is fighting to maintain the March 4th trial date, that's one day before Super Tuesday, in his, in my opinion, trumped-up case against President Trump. There are some, including yours truly, who wonder if the DOJ is part of the scandal of the missing Secret Service texts, including those of DOJ agent Robert Engel, who alleged that President Trump attacked him and grabbed the steering wheel of the vehicle they were in, allegedly, with a thick bulletproof glass between them. Hmm. If true justice does prevail, this unwarranted tribulation trial shall to pass. I'm Ron Edwards. Being brought to you by Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority. 
so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about because you want the best. Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to BlueEdgeCoffeeCrafters.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE10 promo code and you will receive a 10% discount. Remember... Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. During just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. Hey, Jared, what's up? Well, my company gave me this Pride T-shirt. They say i got to wear it to celebrate the LGBTQ. That's not really my thing, and, well, I sure as hell don't want to promote it. Yeah, I can understand that. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm just tired of all this woke bullshit. I mean, I've worked 20 years for this company. Well, they've been great until they started all this crap. I just want a job where I'm not forced to support all this nonsense. Yeah, I hear you. I'm Andrew Krabschett, CEO of RedBalloon.Work. America's woke-free job board. We connect good employees with great companies without all that woke bullshit. So if you're an employee who's tired of all the nonsense, then put your resume on Red Balloon. And if you're an employer looking for hardworking, reliable job seekers, then post your open jobs at redballoon.work. I'm Andrew Krabschett. Wait, no, it's okay, guys. That's just my last name. I'm Andrew Krabschett from redballoon.work. Check us out today. Hi, this is Matt Fitzgibbons at PatriotMusic.com. If you share my passion for the simple but timeless principles that made our republic great and you like rock music, check out my five albums and videos on American history at PatriotMusic.com. You say gun control is using both hands. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damn U.N. Hi, I'm Andy Berger, founder and chair of Voices Against Trafficking. Check out our website, VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com, for our books and magazines. And you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. Happy birthday, Jesus. It's that time of year. All the lights on the tree. Say Christmas time is near 
another years behind us you helped us make it through so happy birthday Jesus this song is just for you Alright, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you so very much for staying with us through that very brief break. Glad to have you here. Hope you're enjoying the holiday season, however you celebrate it, in whatever fashion. And please accept this in the spirit in which it's intended. Merry Christmas to you all. All right, before we get back uh, to the show, I do need to remind you that if you are thinking about diversifying into gold and silver, then you want to deal with the company that is the premier conservative gold company, my friends over at Harvard Gold Group. Look, they are Better Business Bureau approved with five-star ratings across the board. They make it easy to buy, easy to sell. They've got a low price guarantee, and they offer up to $15,000 in free promotional gold and silver with qualifying purchases. So call their free investor guide today. Whether you want to protect your retirement accounts or you want to have gold in hand, call Harvard Gold Group right now at 844-977-GOLD. That's 844-977-4653. Or you can give them a visit online at harvardgoldgroup.com. Either way, just don't forget to mention promo code TAP, T-A-P-P, to qualify yourself for an additional promotional freebie uh, with qualified purchase, of course. Now, let's get back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. On the line, uh, a guest that I had, have we've had the joy of having before, but I have been wanting to get back on for a while now, and it just never seemed to be able to work out. Finally, we have her back, ladies and gentlemen, the founder of Voices Against Trafficking. She's an author. She's an advocate. She's a survivor. She is Andy Berger. Andy, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And before we go anywhere else, and to make sure I don't forget later on, Merry Christmas to you. Well, Merry Christmas to you too, Tim. Thanks for having me back. It's an honor. Uh, well, the honor is mine. I, I appreciate uh, all the work that uh, you've been doing. Uh, the organization is a fantastic one. And like I said, I've just really wanted to have you, especially when certain things had popped up in the news. It seemed like I need to call Andy. And so then I would call Jackie and Jackie's like, oh, she's not available at the moment. Blah blah. It's like, oh, come on. And so I'm so <laughs> glad to be able to get you back. Uh, just uh, I, I saw this story. And then I saw how quickly this headline seemed to have kind of went away. Uh, Back in uh, late November, we had a certain uh, Pentagon official. They got kind of caught up in an embarrassing sting operation uh, in Georgia. We're talking about some human trafficking. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts there, and then we wanted to circle back around to uh, Voices Against Trafficking and see if there's anything new going on. But... When when this story first came out, I thought to myself, I'm I'm just not surprised uh, because this seems to be the type of people that are percolating their way uh, through and upwards in the federal government these days. Uh, but then when it kind of went away, when we just stopped talking about it, when nobody seemed to want to discuss it anymore, when we were looking at 
Stephen. Uh, uh, I, I can't even. I don't even remember his last name now. I had it in front of me a minute ago, uh, but uh, Hovenak, I think it is. But you know, we we've got this guy. There's a name that people should still be very much concerned about, but. It just disappeared. It evaporated. And this, unfortunately, is all too common when we're talking about human trafficking. It'll it'll make news for a few minutes, and then it goes away because, unfortunately, it feels like it's all too common. But then when we see somebody that's in a position of authority and in a position of power that's involved in it as well, we also start to understand why it disappears quickly. But – uh, when this story first popped up, what was your initial reaction? Well, I have to say it's, I was truly saddened, even though I know it happens at all levels. I was, I was glad for one thing, that he actually was found out and arrested. Okay, the other part of it, though, was, you know, one, you ought to know better. Two, you're there to protect kids in a federally operated school system. And yet, isn't that the perfect place for predators, right, to be in charge of something uh, that involves children? And why he would do that, but I will tell you this, Tim, somebody always knows. So there are people around him who also should be accountable, but the chances of that ever happening or coming up again, you know, or having them identified is is slim to none. But again, again, somebody in a, a powerful position was able to use that influence and get as far as he did in the situation. And that's what's, that's, what's disturbing. Yeah. I mean, when you look at somebody in Havanic's, uh position, a former chief of staff for the America's division of the department of defense education activity. Now that's a mouthful and it sounds like one of those made up positions until you look at it and see, but the point you make about you're in charge of schools. You're right. in a position to be both predator and to be involved with uh, the word we're not supposed to use anymore, grooming. Uh, it's a horrific thing. But I, again, like I said at the top, what was even more disappointing to me uh, is that this headline just seemed to disappear so quickly. It barely got spoke about. Even conservative platforms uh, that I'm accustomed to looking at besides my own, we didn't hear a lot of conversation. It was a blurb. We just kind of blew past it. And then you make the point that, yes, somebody else knew. There are other people that should be held accountable. And it just shows that these people that if they're involved in politics or if they're involved in the bureaucracy that goes on with the government, there is this code of silence uh, that still exists because you know that they don't want it to, to catch up with them, so it's easier to sweep it under the rug, and that way nobody does it. And you also have to kind of wonder if maybe that doesn't insinuate – uh, the possibility of more people actually being involved, engaging in the activity itself yes. is just unfortunately, Stephen's the guy that got caught. Exactly. There isn't just one. It would be very um, blind to, of anyone to think, well, that was just one guy. <laughs> it's not like in the 60s, like when I was trafficked, where it was a rarity uh, for anyone to get you know, to have that happen. But now, uh, again, they had 26 people. So if 26 people were arrested in that sting, 
then times that by at least 10 per person that at least had some kind of knowledge or suspected and did nothing. Because as you know, uh, humans have three choices, do something, do nothing, or, 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 do, or rather do good, do evil, or do nothing. And two of those are very counterproductive to humanity and to any community. But this situation, again with the schools, why aren't there checks and balances? And even with Epstein Maxwell, remember there were captains. There were there were girls that had been uh, brought into it, and then they were made captains because then they became groomers and and recruiters, as I say, of other women. But none of them were arrested. They weren't held accountable either. So there are powerful people that are getting something out of their silence, is what I have found. Whether it's influence, uh, maybe more money, maybe an opportunity, uh, or they just want to slink away because maybe they were also complicit in the activity. Yeah, yeah, and that's a big reason why I think that Havanic's name should be uh, very commonly spoken of, and that anybody that's associated with them, uh, if their direct supervisor. Uh, is talking around and, and somebody mentions Havanic's name, uh, then somebody right beside him said, hey, yeah, didn't they work for you? Uh, how did you not know that? There yeah, should be exactly. at least <laughs> yeah, at least public pressure being put on these folks uh, if nothing else is going to happen because of the harm that's done. And that's something that you can particularly speak to. Uh, you, yeah. you already pointed out you are a survivor. You were trafficked uh, yourself. But uh, the work that you're doing uh, with Voices Against Trafficking is so important. And uh, I think it's even more so important to mention it uh, during uh, the holiday season because there's so many family dynamics that are, well, we'll say – less than optimal and and it's those kind of things that tend to make people susceptible to being targeted for grooming and to end up being trafficked Uh, during the work that you guys do do you notice uh, an uptick uh, in efforts at any type of uh, thing that is associated with the holiday season being more dangerous and more hazardous, more likely to bring uh, young people into becoming trafficked? Or is it pretty much just something where maybe we notice it more, but it's actually year-round the same level of danger? Well, I'm going to say it's a little bit of both, but to your point, people are out shopping more, they're out at night more, they're in parking lots, they're in malls, they're in larger areas, grocery stores, and they're not necessarily paying attention to Junior, who is with them, or or what their teenagers are doing because, okay, well, here, order a pizza. Well, how do you know who's delivering that pizza? I'm going to be right back. I have to go do Christmas shopping or whatever it is, and so, uh, but a lot of people I have seen even recently, I don't go out to a lot of stores. Uh, I do whatever I do a lot online because of my immune issues. But, but for the folks, I was in a big box store and I saw a young child in the toy department and I'm looking around. I didn't see an adult with maybe she was six or seven years old, little tiny thing. And I'm thinking, where is her parent? And I thought, so I I just kind of, I didn't go up to her. I didn't want to scare her or look like I was trying to do anything. So I just stood at the end of that toy aisle. I said, oh, my gosh, look at all these dolls. Is that what you want, you know, for Christmas? She said, yeah. 
uh, my mom's going to buy me something and she's going to tell Santa to buy this other thing. I said, wow, that's great. So is your mom in the store? <laughs> and so she said, oh, yeah, she's buying groceries. So she's at the other end of the store. Okay, there's this little girl in three seconds, Tim, uh, a, a very stealth-like predator would grab that girl, have her in the bathroom, or get her through an exit before mom even knows she's gone. Now, I'm not blaming this on parents. I'm just saying we need to be more cautious and, and have our kids closer to hand than we are normally used to. Okay? It is not a toy department that's going to look out for your child. It has to be you. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, an absolutely fabulous point. And thank goodness you were the person that uh, eased up in that situation because uh, realistically speaking, there is a uh, a high likelihood. uh, I'm not going to say full-blown probability, but there was still a high likelihood of the possibility that had you not done that, perhaps – a predator might have been weighing their options to do exactly what you're worried about there, and that's scoop up and run off with this child because it does happen just that quickly, and a parent yeah. is doing it whatever it is they're doing it is difficult to keep an eye on your kids uh, all of the time, especially in public, especially once they get to a certain age but that doesn't excuse the fact that you just need to make that extra little bit of effort because that split second uh, leads to a lifetime of regret uh, for both parties here, uh, assuming that that lifetime uh, gets to uh, be extended to any degree. And I've, I'm trying to very delicately because I don't want to – okay, we're, it's Christmas. I don't want to sound like, okay, uh, horror, horror stories, but – a lot of children in these scenarios don't come back home, and, and that's very tragic. That's right. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they they have a very shortened lifespan, whether they're uh, manipulated through forced drugs and, and then lifestyle, or if the predator that's involved isn't actually trafficking but involved in something else uh, that's far worse. Right. But uh, it's a good thing you were there, is my point, and and emphasizing that you have to be vigilant all the time, not just around the holidays, uh, is a very good message. Uh, Is there anything going on right now uh, above and beyond any special projects that uh, Voices Against Trafficking has going on right now? Yes, actually, we just brought out our second issue of our Voices of Courage magazine, uh, and that basically celebrates the everyday heroes that are fighting the good fight for all human rights, not just, you know, against human trafficking, but anytime a human of any age or any stage, when their rights are violated or or stolen or, or squashed, like you were talking about before their lifetime is over, anytime that happens, it's wrong. It, it impacts community. It impacts humanity. Uh, in our neighborhoods, just like we know every 40 seconds in the U.S., a child 18 years or under is abducted. That means they've been lured into something or they're flat out taken. Okay, so now that we know that, what do we do with that, Tim? So we want to get people aware. So Voices of Courage magazine has truth, and it also has hope. And that's one way um, it's, uh, on, it's available digitally. It's available in print, and we were very fortunate with our first issue to get in the Library of Congress and to have it distributed internationally. So that's a new thing that we've brought out because maybe not everybody is a, is a book reader. We have a couple of books on Amazon. Our third one's coming out next year. But one of the things that we're super excited about is uh, Broken Treasures. 
and that is a music compilation that has been produced for us by a multi-platinum selling Grammy Award nominated record producer who donated his time to bring in all kinds of talent, artists and celebrities to work on this project that's available in digital and CD form and flash drive for the techie people out there, which I'm not (laughs) just saying, (laughs) but um, Broken Treasures is truth and hope as well. And it speaks to this issue and other issues. Um, uh, The the music is phenomenal. So we are going to have that fully released uh, by next Monday, probably just, just before Christmas, but uh, we wanted to make sure it was excellent and we have uh, public service announcements that are being recorded in 35 languages, Tim. So we are going out globally with the message of loving people, you know, and, and protecting and also, you know, the process of, of what we do when we've been hurt that way. But all the songs in there, they're family friendly, a lot of different genres. So we're really excited about that program and some of the other things we're going to do next year, like uh, a TV show also called Voices of Courage. We are looking to give you, the per- the listener, the reader, uh, the person that says, well, I don't really know much. You know, well, you've got books, you've got music, you've got magazines, you've got a TV show. We have all these things to address people's learning uh, preferences, if that makes sense. Because if we prevent, that is the best way to end uh, human rights violations like trafficking. So if we prevent it because we have now become aware, Tim, then the predators are going to have a harder time. If we look out for each other like we should, I believe, this is Andy's opinion, we should be looking at, hey, what's happening in that parking lot or what's happening you know, at that school or at that sporting event? Who's watching the kids? Even if they're not your kids, are you looking out for the person next to you, the person in front of you, the person to the right? Yeah, and that's a great point. I'm fortunate enough to live in a small town, and the general prevailing attitude is still that of community. We do keep an eye out. But the modern times that we live in, we're not immune to it either uh, here. So that's part of why we remain vigilant. And I do like the full multimedia approach because in this modern age, if you're – Uh, staying in one medium and you're not attacking the other mediums, then you're missing out on a huge audience. And uh, as you mentioned, all those techie folks out there, uh, which I'm not particularly uh, all that uh, knowledgeable either. I'm literate, uh, (laughs) but uh, only barely. (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) But uh, I think that's fantastic. A lot of great stuff going on there. Uh, Please, Andy, uh, as we are getting really close to having to wrap it up, remind everybody uh, the websites. Let everybody know where they can find all the work that you're doing. And if you're inviting folks to follow the organization or yourself on social media, feel free to share the handles and the platforms as well. Absolutely. Uh, We invite people to go to VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com. VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com has helplines and hotlines. If you see something, say something. You can do it safely with those hotlines and helplines. There's everything from suicide prevention hotlines to uh, suspected trafficking, child abuse, all of that on VoicesAgainstTrafficking.com, along with the things that we're offering in our store on that website and then we are on facebook facebook.com slash voices against trafficking we're on linkedin instagram uh i believe is uh voices against uh t like tom one 
I, I have a little trouble remembering all of them, but, but basically uh, we're there. And, of course, YouTube. Check out our YouTube videos, Voices Against Trafficking, uh, on YouTube because we have a lot of forums where we have speakers from all over the world talking in five, ten-minute segments. People can learn that way as well because we want them to be aware. And for families right now, if you haven't already uh, selected a code uh, or a secret word that you can use just in your immediate family, so that if one of your kids, no matter how old, if they're college age or they're younger ones, text that, it's it's your cue to drop everything and go help them. And it has to be something generic, can like pizza or get the groceries, something that if a predator saw it on the phone, they would have no they wouldn't have any reason to suspect anything. But every family should have some kind of code word so that if anybody in that family unit, whatever it looks like, is in trouble, people know that and can get help. And for the older uh, the young adults, the college age, uh, same thing. If you have a tight group of people that you hang with, create a secondary word for you because sometimes peer-to-peer is going to be faster than trying to get a family member. And that's just a, a small tip so that, you know, this holiday season and from here on out, people can be safer. Yeah. Uh, also phenomenal. I know last time we got together, you, you were trying to drive that point home as well. Uh, it's one of the, the best ideas that, that I've heard of. A lot of security uh, specialists uh, promote that idea as well. Uh, it's something we should all be practicing. Uh, Andy, again, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you uh, spending your time with us, especially uh, this time of year where so much is going on and family commitments are high and you still take the time to, to talk to me and I'm honored by that. Thank you so very much. God bless and uh, Godspeed to you. Absolutely. Same to you, Tim. Thank you so much. Have a Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas to you as well. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was Andy Berger. And again, uh, I just I love talking to Andy. She she's got all this going on and you know, she does represent that ideal of what's the best way to respond when something bad happens to you. What are the choices that you make? She chose to make a difference for the good. Uh, she said earlier uh, specifically that you, when anything's happening, you have three choices, do good, uh, do evil, or do nothing. When it comes to certain situations, doing nothing is still doing evil, <laughs> okay? Uh, human trafficking is one of those scenarios. This is not a left or right issue. This is a human issue, and we really need to be cognitive of it. Now, I'm quickly running out of time. Uh, so I do want to remind you real quick, since uh, we skipped it going into the break because of time, there's a great deal going over, uh, going on right now over with our friends at Vanish Holster. You use the website, you'll get a discount, and right now they're offering a second Vanish Holster at half price. Don't miss out on that because by the time we get into 2024, the prices are going to be going up. So if you've been putting that off, now is literally uh, among your last opportunities. Opportunities to, to take advantage of the current pricing. Uh, so that's www.vnsh.com backslash TAPP. www.vnsh.com backslash TAPP. Okay, so that's going to be it for tonight. I, we were uh, I packed from start to finish. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. I do hope that you enjoy the blessings of the holiday season as well. And remember, don't take my word for it definitely don't take their word for it 
be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Merry Christmas, everybody. We will be back. Is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Stalin, Hitler, Maloney, and Pol Pot. They told us things that you never forgot. Is using both hands Well, I prefer the three went to the tiny two to three Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family Is using both hands. <laughs> <laughs>